of the ongoing themes of the Lean Out podcast is the importance of viewpoint diversity, particularly on controversial issues. This topic was in the news again this month with a lawsuit filed by the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression against California Community College's state and district officials on recent diversity, equity, and inclusion regulations. Daniel Ortner is a lawyer for the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. Daniel Ortner is our guest today on Lean Out. Daniel, welcome to Lean Out. Thanks so much for having me, Aaron. The Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, or FIRE, has filed a lawsuit against the California Community College's state officials and district officials, including Chancellor Sonia Christian. You are the lead counsel on this case, representing six California Community College professors. This lawsuit aims, in FIRE's words, to halt new system-wide regulation that forces professors to espouse and teach politicized conceptions of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We will get into the specifics in a moment, but to start today, Daniel, can you outline the broad strokes of the professor's complaints here and why FIRE is choosing to pursue this case? Sure. So these rules that were enacted by the California Community Colleges are statewide for all of the faculty, 54,000 teaching faculty in in the community colleges. And it requires them to uh, teach and preach a very politicized conception of DEI. This is about the state trying to end the debate on some of the most contentious issues in society, topics like anti-racism, intersectionality, whether colorblind or color uh, color focused, uh, color conscious approaches are the best remedy for racial inequality is is hotly debated in our society. But California is stepping in and saying, this is the view you have to take in the classroom. You have to endorse anti-racism. You have to endorse intersectionality. If you teach alternative views, uh, you might be accused of what they call weaponizing academic freedom and inflicting curricular trauma on your students. Uh, so that that's kind of what, what professors now are afraid. The plaintiffs we represent are afraid that if they don't forcefully interject these DI views into the classroom, contrary to their own views, and if they don't silence themselves and stop uh, sharing their views and sharing alternative positions and encouraging debate among their students, uh, they're going to get disciplined or fired uh, from their jobs. And so this is about academic freedom and free speech. It's about the government not being allowed to step in and put a straitjacket and impose a dogma on what can be taught in the classroom. Okay, let's get into specifics then. In May of 2022, the California Community College's Board of Governors approved diversity, equity, and inclusion and accessibility regulations that require all college professors to incorporate what FIRE sees as the state's views on DEI and teaching under the new regulation, for instance, all of the roughly 54,000 professors who teach in the California Community Colleges system must incorporate anti-racist viewpoints. How is anti-racist defined in this context? And on what basis has FIRE deemed this as a contested political viewpoint? One of the problems with these rules is that concepts are defined very cursorily or not at all in in the core rules document, the state of California, uh, sorry, the community college's uh, chancellor's office released also a document called the glossary that defines uh, terms in greater detail. That glossary uh, defines anti-racism, 
very very specifically it talks about how anti-racism is actively opposing racism by uh looking at the fact that racial policies have caused racial inequalities uh someone has to challenge structures and uh, policies and behaviors that perpetuate systemic racism and it says you know persons are either anti-racist or racist Persons that say they are not a racist are in denial of the inequities and racial problems that exist. And then it says, you know, that these policies have to be color conscious. Uh, it describes color blindness as a racial ideology that's grounded uh, in, in white supremacy. It defines all these, uh, you know, v- very specifically, where it basically says you have to endorse the concept that the way to solve racial inequality is overt race conscious policies. Um, that's hotly debated, from Washington D.C. to Sacramento, and uh, in the uh, classroom and the the boardroom, all across the nation, people are debating this because it, it you know the, the uh, alternative approach of color blindness goes back to this country's legacy of equality under the law. There's a lot of there's good arguments really on both sides there. And ultimately, you know, the state of California can't end the debate, can't step in and say this is the concept you have to endorse. You have to be color conscious. You have to affirmatively try to tear down systemic inequality that that um, you know people debate about whether it exists or not. Could you walk us through Fire's overall legal reasoning here? Why, in Fire's views, are these new DEI regulations unconstitutional and a violation of First Amendment rights? So they violate the Constitution in, in several ways. Uh, first of all, the Constitution, the First Amendment, does not allow the government to uh, determine what is orthodox. Uh, famous Supreme Court cases, you know, that uh, one of the, the the stars in our constitutional constellation is the government cannot determine what is orthodox in matters of politics, religion, etc. The government can't come in and say, this is what is mandatory. This is the dogma that everyone has to agree with. And that's exactly what they've done here. They've come to these to all the professors across the state and said, you have to acknowledge this, you have to teach this in the classroom, you have to incorporate it into your curriculum, um, you have to share these viewpoints about DEIA. And so they're, you know, and then on top of that, they also, again, compel speech, which is another serious First Amendment problem. They tell the professors, you have to teach these concepts, and if you try to offer alternatives, uh, you might get disciplined uh, for for doing so. And so they they compel speech, they restrain expression, obviously, in the classroom. Uh, Our clients are not sure what they can teach or not teach. For instance, uh, two of our uh, clients uh, have their students read Letter from a Birmingham Jail by Martin Luther King Jr., you know, a classic civil rights document. But that document has uh, profanity, has you know, the N-word racial slur in it. And it also teaches a colorblind view, generally, of equality. And they're not sure if that, if teaching that to their students and having their students read Martin Luther King's famous uh, civil rights essay will be compliant with these rules. Uh, so it really creates a chilling effect because the rules are so broad and overbroad and they're so vague that no professor can know how, what they can or can't teach in their classroom anymore. And so it really creates a chilling effect on the d- kind of discussions that are vital to our democracy uh, to have the, to continue in the classroom. I'd like to spend a moment specifically focused on these diversity statements. FIRE's 2022 research found that half of the roughly 1,500 professors surveyed believe that these statements are ideological litmus tests that violate academic freedom. For listeners who may not be familiar, what are these statements and how how do they play a role in the academic context? I, I, uh, diversity statements are where a uh, university requires either a, uh, someone who wants to be a professor applying for a job or someone who's currently uh, 
seeking tenure or to advance to write a statement about their contribution to diversity, the the extent to which they've advanced DEIA principles. What California Community Colleges does is is take that to a whole other level, really, that we haven't seen anywhere else. Um, most systems, it's kind of a vague, you know, you have to explain your your contribution to diversity. But California, again, requires these very specific concepts of anti-racism, intersectionality. Uh, it you know decries even the concept of merit and says that that perpetuates white supremacy. The concept of, of merit of uh, that there di- there's different quality from students. Uh, you know the, the the performance is very that kind of concept perpetuates white supremacy um, under this glossary that the states put out. So it gets very specific in the concepts that they have to endorse, and then they're going to have to every three years when they're up for evaluation write a statement about what they've done over the past evaluation period to further these concepts. And so they're they're going to have to endorse concepts that they disagree with. They're going to have to silence their own views and that that's going to chill their expression uh, in the classroom. The California Community College's curriculum model contains the following guidance. Take care not to weaponize academic freedom and academic integrity as tools to impede equity in an academic discipline or inflict curricular trauma on our students, especially historically marginalized students. What's your position on this statement? Or yeah. fires. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's it's really you know, weaponizing academic freedom, and that's just free speech. And free speech is uh, about the freedom to share and debate concepts that may be upsetting, maybe troubling. Uh, that that's what matters most for free speech is what what might be difficult or challenging. The idea of curricular trauma, you know, speech teaching uh, education is not tra- trauma inflicting. You know, students are adults in college settings; they re- can handle hearing ideas that they disagree with. And that's really what our colleges and universities in this nation, the, you know, the great institutions that we've developed in America, are based on. The idea that students can handle robust back and forth, can hear different ideas, and that in that process of debate and discussion, truth emerges, and these students learn to be responsible citizens in America, in a democracy where there's differences of opinion. And so California coming in and saying, you know, don't share things because they might inflict curricular trauma, is really cutting off debate and it's preventing our plaintiffs from teaching students in their classroom to be citizens that understand different viewpoints that can debate and discuss and so it's really going to harm not just our plaintiffs these professors not just the current students uh, but all of our society the lawsuit will potentially impact the 1.8 million students enrolled in California community colleges, including many diverse students. In law school, I participated in communities that are currently grappling with these ideas of DEI. I think someone who would be critical of your legal action might stand back and say, we need DEI in the forefront of people's minds. We need it to be a cornerstone to be at the forefront so these principles don't fall by the wayside. These new regulations are a way of keeping it at the forefront of professors' minds and ensuring that students in the classroom context are both thinking about these issues uh, and taking steps. Is this not a good thing? I, I think the you know the diversity uh, inclusion these concepts are are you know we're not uh, you know opposed to those concepts and at all. What we're opposed to in this lawsuit is the state of California coming in and mandating the endorsement of viewpoints that are these contested ones. We, we, we've taken the same stance on the other side of the aisle when the opposite has been, has been enacted by the state of Florida with their Stop Woke Act, where they basically came in and said the reverse of what California has done. They said DEIA uh, anti-racism concepts cannot be taught in the classroom. 
for instance, the California rule says merit, uh, the glossary says merit perpetuates white supremacy and racism. Uh, the Florida rule uh, law of Stop Woke Act said that exact thing cannot be taught in the classroom. The professors cannot teach <laughs> that merit uh, is racist. And so we've we're, we're, we've gone on both sides challenging these rules because they suppress free speech. Uh, we successfully got an injunction in uh, Florida against the Stop Woke Act, and are hopeful we'll be able to do the same here against California's DEIA rules, because on whether whatever side you're on, you can't silence debate. You can't silence expression. The First Amendment does not allow that. The issues that DEI policies raised have been explored on the Lean Out podcast, most notably with guest Amna Alid and Jeffrey Snyder of Carleton College. I am Indigenous with a, with a law graduate background, and I address these issues on my own platform, the Bigger Than Me podcast. My perspective is that these cases highlight exactly why we need a third-party adjudicator to help us work through these issues and fairly draw that line. So personally, I'm happy to see these issues being hashed out in the courts. In your opinion, what is the benefit of negotiating these issues in the courts? I think courts are there to protect rights when those rights are not popular. Uh, you know, that's what when democracies and popular majorities want to take away people's rights. That's what the courts are there for. That's what the Constitution is there for. The Fourteenth Amendment, uh, you know, against the states is exactly to stop rights from being violated. Uh, and so, I think that's exactly what it's for. When here, there's you know a lot of people supporting the teaching of DEIA. They're taking that and they're weaponizing it and forcing it against those who disagree. And the opposite is happening in Florida where it's a majority conservative state, and they're imposing that view on the professors there in the classroom. And the Constitution says, no, you can't do that. Judges, uh, you know, they, Article Three judges in federal court are independent adjudicators to protect constitutional rights. And that's why the courts are there to ensure that states don't infringe on First Amendment rights when it's popular to do so. Lean Out will, of course, be reaching out to Sonia Christian and to the California Community College System for comment. Has there been any response to the suit so far? No, not so far, no. What are the next steps in this lawsuit and what is FIRE's hopes for the impact it will have? We're going to be seeking a preliminary injunction from the court. Uh, so that means we're going to go to the judge and ask for the the law, the the DIA rules, and the contract that our uh, plaintiffs are, you know, that implements these rules for our plaintiffs to be enjoined, meaning that to stop the the state um, and the district from enforcing them against our clients and against other faculty throughout the state of California. These are really timely issues and public debate is important on them. On behalf of myself and Tara Henley, I want to thank you for coming on the show today and for the conversation. Thanks, Aaron. Great to talk to you. Lean Out reached out to Chancellor Sonia Christian and California Community Colleges for comment. They referred us to a recent motion filed in response to a July lawsuit that also names the Chancellor as a defendant that is similar to the one filed in August against the Chancellor and the Board of Governors. We will quote that motion now. The plaintiff has not and cannot present evidence to show that the regulations in any way impose an immediate threat of harm to him or have directly impaired his ability to express himself freely. Nor is there any showing that defendant Sonia Christian, the California Community College's Chancellor, has the authority to undertake any action to restrain plaintiff's First Amendment rights. And plaintiff's motion fails to present any argument or evidence 
that justifies the extraordinary remedy of finding state regulations duly promulgated to promote 14th Amendment concepts of equity and inclusion for the benefit of nearly 2 million students of California's community colleges to be unconstitutional. Lean Out is hosted and produced by Tara Henley, and this week, myself, Aaron Peet. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing to Tara's Substack at tarahenley.substack.com. And you can find my show, The Bigger Than Me Podcast, on YouTube and all podcast platforms.